This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. We're continuing our series, Good Neighbours, and today I'm going to talk about empowering the poor. Empowering the poor. Now, when you think about that, it's important that we understand that we, empowering is to help somebody to do something they can't currently do. So when you get alongside someone, support them and, uh, and help them, perhaps teach them a skill or, or give them a bit of help in, in whatever way you do, that's an empowering. We empower our children when we teach them to walk, we teach them to do all sorts of stuff. That's an empowerment. So you will have had people in your life who have empowered you in some way or another. So think of that idea. And good people in your life, your, your, your family, your, your friends or whatever, who have empowered you, have not done that in a way to make you feel bad. If you're teaching a child to walk, you don't mock them because they can't walk. You encourage them to walk. And so it's important when we think about empowering people that it's never patronizing. It is helpful and encouraging and make them feel good about themselves. So I wanted to put that rider in right away so we, we would have no question or no misunderstanding, at least hopefully. So there are different kinds of poverty. There's material poverty. This week uh, on BBC local TV, they were, they were doing a, a feature on poverty in the Northwest. And apparently, 20% of the population of the Northwest of England are classified as poor. 30% of children come into that classification as well. Now, you might argue with those figures or, or otherwise, but the reality of it is, it is a real problem even in our culture, in our society, in our community right now. Now, compared to years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, whatever, relatively, we're a lot better off in most cases. And compared to the third world, we're probably all a lot better off. But if you're hungry, you don't need to hear that. You need, to find, you need someone to help you meet that need, get out of that problem, get out of that situation, to be empowered into a better place. So thinking about that, thinking about material poverty, thinking about this relational poverty. If you are not in community, if you don't have friends, if you don't have companions for the journey of life, then you are poor relationally. Hear a bit more about that next week. And also spiritually poor. Here's what I believe. If you don't know God, you are in lack, you are spiritually poor. Again, I'm not seeking to patronize anybody. I'm just saying the richness of knowing God is incredible. And I feel compared to that, I would be in poverty if I didn't know God as my Savior. The greatest riches of all is to know God as Lord and Savior. So the different kinds of poverty. But I want to say that I believe that good neighbors empower the poor. Empower. Help them not patronize them. Help them, not hurt them. And empower them to be, get out of that trap into a, uh, into a better situation. Many people in our community struggle in these ways, and we need to try and help them 
without embarrassment. That's why we supported things like CAP courses, Christians Against Poverty. That's why we've done our course, Money Without the Worry. That's why we want to get alongside individuals if you need help. Tell us and we'll try and help you and empower you through that in, in a non-patronizing, in a relational way. But So we want to do something like that. So whether poverty is for someone in a faraway land in the third world that we might send from time to time, you know, children in need, that kind of stuff, and uh, Red Nose Day and all that kind of stuff. Whether that's far away or whether it's right down your street, if you're hungry, you know about it. If you're in poverty, it is a trap. It is a problem. But here's a scripture, which is an extraordinary and remarkable scripture, that I want to um, read and I want to explain to you. And it's, it's Proverbs 19, verse 17. It says this, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Just lay that scripture up there for a little while. Let's think about that. You might be familiar with that scripture. You might never have seen that scripture before. It's an extraordinary thing when it says, when we are kind to those in need, we lend to the Lord. And the promises, he will reward them for what they have done. Let's have a look at what that scripture doesn't mean, right? There's no way that God could ever be in, in debt to me or to you. That's impossible. Because everything we have is from him. The sooner we realize the resources that are in our lap have all come from God and really ultimately belong to him anyway, the better we are positioned to understand about things and possessions. So we can have them, possessions, but never let possessions have you. Never let me be motivated about accumulation, but see that there's something that we can have, we can be stewards of, we can use. What this scripture means is God does reward us when we're kind for the poor. It means that when we put our trust in God, when we have faith in God to say, okay, I'm going to give something of what I have to try and help someone else in finances, in our time, in our energy, in all that kind of stuff. When we actually do that to someone in need, God recognizes that we are saying we have faith and trust in him. When we give, we're always saying, God, thank you for what you've given me. When I give, I know I will not be in lack because you have promised that when we give, you will meet our every need. And for many of us here in this church, because of all the incredible things that God has done for us with financial provision over the year, many of us know that this is actually true. It's totally true. When we trust God, he comes through. Not to meet all of our wants, but to meet our needs. And some people are a better place financially than others. And let's not compare ourselves with other people, but let's understand that when we go to God and put our faith in God, God will give us what we need and generally more than we need. Never say, never pray this prayer. God, if I could only have enough to get by, it's a really bad prayer. It's a lousy prayer. Because if you only have enough to get by, you have nothing to bless somebody else. And so if you bless, if you have something to bless someone else, then that's, that's a great prayer to pray. Because if God can get things through you, he will get things to you. I absolutely believe that. So he who, lends, he who is kind 
to the poor, lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. Him or her will be rewarded. So the reward comes in the provision of God into our lives, into the strengthening of our faith as we seek to do that. I think it's an extraordinary scripture. There's several scriptures like Romans 11.35, which tells us that God can never be in our debt. Let's always remember that. Let's never think that we can twist God's arm up his back to do something he doesn't want to do by doing something we do. It's never true, right? It doesn't work. It's not right because God is sovereign. God is not without resources. He has everything. He needs nothing from us. He's only looking for, for our lives and he's looking for our hearts. He, want, he wants us to, because he knows that by giving our lives to him, our lives could be a much, more, uh, much more worth by doing that. So being kind to the poor is an act of trusting God. I love that. There's a well for me in that scripture. Put it back up, please. Uh, there's a well for me in that scripture. Whoever's kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he'll reward them for what they have done. Let that scripture sink in. Think about that, please, this week. My grandson, who's two today, he always has a well. When he sees something for the first time, it might be just a small thing, he says, wow. And I think for me as a Christian, for us as Christians, let's keep the wow. Let's keep the wow about the things of God. Let's keep the wonder about the grace of God. Let's keep God when we think about what you've done for me, like scriptures like that, that you reward me. It's a wow for me. Absolute wow. Because this is what God does. When I think about God, what God's done for me, when I think of how God's forgiven me, when I think of how God's put wonderful people in my life, in this community that support me and encourage me and, and just take time with me, wow! He rewards us for what we do. So that's good neighbors empower the poor. Now let's turn to Matthew 25. We're going to read a few verses in Matthew 25. And in Matthew 25, this scripture is about a few things. And I'm not ignoring all of what the scripture is about, but I'm just picking up one thing in particular. So Matthew 25, 31 says this, and uh, I'll be able to read it if I put my glasses on. Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. From the creation of the world. Listen to this 35. For when I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. All things that are great things about hospitality, about care for people, about blessing people. 37, then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when would we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did you ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? Now, he's, he's the absolute diamond of the scripture. The, just, just get all of this, because this is extraordinary. It's another wow, right? It's another wow. Are you, are you ready for another wow? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. Listen carefully. When you did it for one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. 
Jesus said, when you do this for anybody, you're doing it for me. You're not you're doing it to me. You're not just doing it for me. You're doing it to me. Big difference. Do something for someone is a great thing to do. But do something to someone is something else. So Jesus said, when you do these things, it's if you were doing it to me. I tell you, the tr- verse 45 is a massive contrast. I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, check this out, you were f- refusing to help me. Wow. wow. Check that out. Pause and think. When you don't do it, you are refusing to help me. So here's a scripture that's a massive challenge for us all to say that we have a responsibility as followers of Jesus to help who we can when we can. There are many things that we can't do. There are many things that we can't change. So we don't have this weight on our shoulders and think, Flip, the world, you know, I've got all the world. I mean, no, no. What it is, simply this. Be, we are responsible to do what we can for who we can when we can. I can do that. You can do that. Well, I can't give from what, something I don't have. I can't give time that I don't have, etc. But what I can do, I should do. I ought to do. Because when I'm doing it, it's like I'm doing it not just for, but to Jesus. And when I don't do it, it's as if I was refusing to help him. Now, there's nobody here. If, if Jesus was here, he is here, right? But if you could physically see him right now, I don't think there's any of us would not do anything. There would be a, a stampede to get him a, a latte or whatever. There would. We would, uh, we would do whatever was required, we'd be at his feet. And we are at his feet. And he is there. If, if we could do this, what we, what we do when we help people, if we can see that we're doing it to Jesus, they don't look like perhaps what you imagine or what you believe Jesus would look like or how we would behave. But even when they are not easy, it's like we're doing it to him. Whenever. You do this to the least of one of these brothers and sisters of mine. You do it to me. He who lends, he who's kind to the poor, lends to the Lord. What a scripture. Another scripture for you, which is another bit of an ouch scripture, like uh, Matthew 25, 45. It's 1 John three seventeen to 18. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Ouch. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. The church is the hope of the world. The church has a responsibility to be the hands and feet of Jesus the church has a responsibility. You know, I talk the church, I'm talking about people like you and me, because we are the church, not the building. We have a responsibility to be Jesus to people. We are the hope of the world. Good neighbors empower the poor. So what does this mean? Does this mean that everything I have that God has given to me and, and I've worked hard for, like, like with your home and, and your possessions and your family, you you You've worked hard for that. You, you've put the graft in it. You, you've saved to get, to get that deposit to, to buy a home or, 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 or something that's precious to you. know, you, you've worked. Let's not, let's, not let's not forget that we have to work hard as well. It doesn't fall on our lap. 
But whatever it is, does it mean that we have to sell everything and give it away? I don't believe it does at all. Because how could I be hospitable and offer my home? People who stay with, with Trish and I very, very regularly over, over, ever since we've been married. People have stay, stayed with us one way or the other. How could I do that if I didn't have a home to be hospitable with? So if I give my home away and I'm on the street, what am I going to do? So what God's saying to us, don't, no, don't give everything away. There is a, it, it, Jesus challenged the rich and ruler on that area, but it, you, you won't find me scripture that says that this is a theology. I know some would argue with that, but for me, that's not a theology that we adopt. What it means is what we have, we, are, we have loose hands with. What we have, we help others with. What we have, we are hospitable with. What we have, we are generous with. What we have in our strength, we help others with. But if you're not strong, you can't help somebody else. But from strength, because you've worked hard and God's blessed you, and you can then help other people. And many, many examples of how that happens across our life church community, I know. That we can't do everything for everyone. We can't be a full-time personal counselor for somebody who wants that. But we can encourage people. We, we can get alongside people. We can empower people. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. Whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you were doing it to me. Good neighbors empower the poor. So what does that look like? I've got to give you, uh, in the time we've got left, I'm going to give you three things which I believe this should look like. Now the first one is this, we are called to serve others, not save others. Think about this for a moment. Jesus saves. You don't. I can't. Jesus saves people. I cannot save somebody. I cannot. I can give forgiveness, but only God can do that, can ultimately do that. And we are called to serve others, and it's in the serving that people can see Jesus in us. We're called to serve others, not save others. It's patronizing to think that we are 100% the answer to someone else's problem and also unrealistic. But Jesus is. He totally is. Whatever you need, Jesus is the answer. Absolutely. The deepest need in your heart, the the trap that you're in, maybe in, in, in material lack or whatever the problem is, ultimately Jesus wants to make you whole so you can be come out of that problem and out of that trap. We are his servants. He has the power. We are just the conduit or the bridge or the helper to get people to where they need to be. We cannot save anybody, but we are called to serve people. How does, how does he want us to serve? Well, it, well, in a couple of ways, I guess. When people have an immediate need, if you're in a position to help them in some way, uh, a disaster in their life, a, a bereavement, a sickness, a, 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 an unemployment situation, or, or some, if we can help, we, then we, we do, an immediate help. So that's kind of like a, an emerge, emergency kind of relief. But there's also there's a long-term relationship that helps to restore people, and that empowers them. If we restore people back to wholeness and get alongside them, when someone goes, it's a bit like disaster relief in, in you know, when... When you've seen a tsunami or we see, we see floods in the nation and you, 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 you might uh, send, send some, some cash to go and, and help the people and we see it on TV and the fill planes and, and take resources that take food and shelter and all those kind of things to help in that immediate 
situation. But what, off, what generally also happens is these relief organizations don't just take immediate relief. They stay there to help restore those communities. And they bring help and, and, and teaching and, and, and also all sorts of resources to try and, and restore, not just have an immediate help. And that's what we can do for people. What we give empowers people to get better, not just to get by. Uh, Mark Hurst, who heads of Spacious Place, engaged with a food bank and many other things that they do. Mark says we give people a help up, not a hand out. A hand up or not a help. Not, yeah, something like that. <laughs> you, get, you get the point. Sorry, Mark. I'm uh, not quoting you very well. But no, it's to help people through a situation. That's an immediate li- relief. But behind that has to be a help. If I'm always in an immediate crisis, I've got to get a position in God, and God can empower me to be past that so that I can then be strong and able to help other people. From wholeness, we can help other people. You know, uh, what we're involved in, in in the school in Pakistan at the Brighter Future School, what that does, it gives those students an education which empowers them to be able to uh, go on to further education and get a job. That's a massive difference because with education, they are empowered. And here's the thing. If we can empower people to get out of where they are and trust in God and, and have prince, good, the right principles in their lives and to learn things, that saves us. We serve people. And that kind of giving... For, uh, for a bright, to a bright future, for, for compassion, hope for justice, etc., etc. That ultimately empowers people to live great lives and find and, and be able to then empower others. I, I want to call that proactive giving. Sometimes we give to meet a need, but we give, we give proactively. I believe that you guys give proactively because this community is reaching many people right all over the place. People who know, don't even know they need Jesus. People who don't even value God or, or the church or, or see the, 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 the need for that. But by what you have done and what God's doing amongst us, that's proact- that is also proactive giving. We want to help people without patronizing them. We call it to serve others, not save others. Jesus saves, we serve. Are you being served? Made a good memory for that to mean anything to you. Are you being served? Well, no. In church, that's the wrong question, I guess. Are you being served? And we do get, we're served by the, our wonderful welcome team and our worship team who, you know, uh, battled here through two f- foot of snow and, and walked 25 miles. And I'm, Hey, I was pleased to see them at uh, 9 o'clock this morning. Good job, guys. Awesome. Yeah. They're serving us, as many of you are, in all sorts of different ways, not just on a Sunday or the different times. So we get served, but we're supposed to be the people who serve, not save people, and God does the rest. So that's it. We call to serve others, not save others. Secondly, we're called to love people, not rescue them. Love people, care for them. You know, that, that's, that's what they, Jesus said. What's a great, when Jesus asked what the greatest commandments, love God, love your neighbor. So when we serve people, we love them. We love them and not trying to rescue them. People who are struggling are not projects we help. They are people we love. Yeah. Yeah. Think of that one. 
people who are struggling are not projects we help, they're people we love. I don't want to be someone's project. Well, I, you wouldn't enjoy, I wouldn't enjoy that. You wouldn't enjoy that thinking, oh yeah, you know, I'm on their, I'm on their tick list. The things to do, be nice to Jeff. I'm, I'm happy for you to do that, but I don't want to be your project. I don't want to be your project. I want you to, I want you love. And we love each other. We don't, we're not a project. And for someone to be kind of my, my kind of project or I'm their project, ah, it's not, it's not good. However sorted and in control and stable and resourced and happy and all of that you might feel right at this moment, and that might not remotely describe some of us this morning, but however, however sorted you feel right at this moment, there will be a time in your life when you'll need help. Uh, there has many times in my life, and, and, and continually I need mates. I need people alongside me to help encourage and support. But we all have times like that. We don't want, to be that, we don't want that to be our permanent state, but we all realize that we all need help. It's not just that we have to help people. It, it's, a, it's a mutual thing. And very often, when we help somebody, we get way more back in, in return than we even realized. Because we get the joy of seeing that person doing well. We get the joy of saying, yeah, I've done something for you, Lord. We, there's joy in that. It, it might, before it happens, might seem a bit of a chore. I don't know if I want to get involved. You know, I, 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 maybe I need to stay out of that or I haven't got the time or, or whatever. No, we're called to love people, not rescue them. And unconditional love can be expensive. Can be. But we need called to help people. And you know, when you are called to help someone you probably need to find out. Here's a good question. How can I help you? Not predetermine what they need. Because that's well patronizing. That's, that's, you know, you need this. I'll sort you out. No, we're not the answer. We serve. Jesus saves. We love people, not rescue them. We're going to help people to accomplish what they want to do that gives them dignity and pride and a sense that they're moving forward. People who are struggling and not projects we help, there are people that we love. We call to love people, not rescue. Finally, number three, we call to reach out, not reach down. If you think about it, we are not you know, like Superman or this superhero that kind of runs in and, and answers a problem because we have to understand that we are also broken people. We're also people in need. We're just here to do what what we can. We never reach down because we're never better than someone else. We say, yeah, well, I, I'm poor. I'm a struggler too. I need help. But what I have, I'm going to bless you with. I'm going to help you with. Here's a, a quote I just saw the other day, which, is, which is a, is a, it helps us to understand that. And it's from Bren Brown. It says, we, are in, we have divided the world into those who need help and those who offer help. The truth is, we are both. And I think that's so true. We are both. Yeah, I, I can be a person who offers help, but often I'm also the person who needs help. And I want to say that's good to understand we're not super man, super woman, super whatever. We're not any of that. 
But we can help people with what we got. We might not have a lot, but with what we have, God's entrusted us with, and we can help others with that to empower people. That's how we love our neighbor. We never swoop down as a hero, reaching down, but we're reaching out to fellow brothers and sisters to do what we can, when we can, to empower them. And you know, to empower the poor, we don't need to start something. Maybe we we just need to partner with people who are already doing something. We need to get alongside and say, I'm going to be part of this. I'm going to support that. I'm going to do what what I can. When we give to others, we often get even more back in return. And I'm just, as I mentioned at the beginning, talked about poverty and and, and how, how serious a situation that is when you're materially poor. It's, it is a problem when you're relationally poor. And I believe God wants to help you and me in all those areas. But also, if you're spiritually poor, we need to receive something from God because when you know Jesus and your Lord, as your Lord and Savior, the riches of, of that is absolutely extraordinary. Jesus said, when you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, we're doing it for me. So what I was, want to think about being good neighbors thinking about when we do it for the least, we're doing it to Jesus, not just for Jesus. How that empowers me, how that empowers us to be good neighbors, to think I don't have to come up with this fancy project. I don't need a a huge amount of resources to do this. I can be a good neighbor by loving people as Jesus loved us. I can do these things that were listed in Matthew 25. I can do that for people who don't look like Jesus. But when I do it, it's like I'm doing it to them. I believe God wants to lift us out of our brokenness and helplessness. That might be poverty of any of the things I've mentioned. God wants to lift us out of that hopelessness and helplessness and restore us to wholeness. There's a a cracking scripture in Psalm 34 verse 6 which said, This poor man called and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. And it's that getting to that moment of realization that I am the one who needs help. I am the one who needs God in my life. I, need the, I am the one, I am that poor man who's crying out to God for help and restoration. Could you bow your heads for a moment, please? Let's pray and let's see how God can bring healing and wholeness to you this morning in whatever you need. This is real. If you are struggling financially, it's real. If you're in, in a challenging situation, not knowing where to turn for help, this is real. And I believe God can bring wholeness to you and to help you. And we can help to empower you to get to that position where you can find wholeness in God. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.